What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Hi, how can I help you today? As a McDonald's employee, you say those words quite often. But how about when you need help, like consulting a doctor? Hi, how can I help you today? When you work for a McDonald's restaurant, we take care of you like family. With free virtual doctor's visits, including getting prescriptions and refills for you and everyone in your family. Apply today at careers.mcdonalds.com and find out more. The benefits described herein are only available at participating restaurants. Hello, listeners. This is Jim the Keys, bartender. How are you today? Well, I'm going to cut to the chase. It was a very slow weekend. Um, Not that you need to know that, right? It was beautiful down here. We had beautiful weather, but it wasn't wasn't very busy. We had um, mainly locals and people, a couple tourists. I always thought... This is my reasoning. With the advent of online booking of vacations and people checking out, doing price tracking for all sorts of things, Airbnbs, hotels, and uh, flights, that people would be more nimble when it comes to making their vacation plans. So, you know, why the hell does everyone want to be down here when everyone else is down here? I mean, if they're coming down here to be with the crowds, then it's great. But they, uh, I guess when the prices drop, then so does the tourism. I, I It seems kind of anti-logic. It's like illogical, right? I, I mean, it could have something to do with the gas prices going up a couple pennies. I did do a post... Uh, because people have, you know, it's funny how we, when there's a worldwide phenomenon going on, which is the price of fuel going up, and it is going around the world, all you have to do is a little research and see the price of fuel and how it changed. You could see that we're still one of the uh, more inexpensive places to get uh, fuel for your vehicle. So, and you can... You could tell by that just by looking at the uh, vehicles we drive. Down here in the Keys, a lot of a lot of big trucks, a lot of big trucks, not a lot of little cars. See the smaller cars in uh, bigger cities, I imagine. But yeah, huge trucks, huge trucks. Well, I mean, you got to tow boats and things like that. And God, how much fuel does a boat need? I've seen people fueling up their their pleasure craft. And seen them taking up a couple hundred dollars. I'm not crying about those people. I'm sorry if you have a boat and all that stuff. But it's a very inefficient way to travel on the water using a motor. A, a sailboat is, you know, I guess it's a little slower. But you want to go fast on the water, you're going to have to spend a little money. You're going to pay, spend a little ducats on that. So, yes, we didn't have the volume of people this weekend. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a bummer when, you know, most of your income 
depends on um, volume. But I'm pretty much done with that. So there's a interesting psychology with it. When it's really slow, at the end of the night, we'll get people. It's very slow. We didn't get a lot of people in. And then right at the end of the night, you'll get a couple people come in. And they go, oh, you should be happy that we're here. And I go, well, you know, I am happy to see you. I'm glad you're come here and all that stuff. And they go, it really doesn't change. I mean, in my head, I go, it doesn't change the dynamic that you're, you know, you're coming here does not change the volume. We need volume. We don't need one or two unless you got someone that's going to be crazy uh, over tipping or something like that. But that's not normally the case with late people. Case in point. Case in point. Saturday night, we had a bachelor party come in, come in. And they were on a bus and said, don't worry, we're not driving. And I said, well, that means one thing, that they're probably already drunk. And it was around 10 o'clock, so they've been drinking for a couple hours. And we were about to close because we really didn't have anybody. He said, can we have a drink? And I said, sure, sure, one round. So... I'm normally not like this. I would say this, but I know my, I'm not going to blame this on my coworker. There's an unspoken agreement. You know, at the end of a slow night, you just want to get out of there, you know, and end the day. But, you know, there was a possibility there were 12 guys coming in, maybe, who knows. So they come in, they order a round of drinks, guy comes up and pays, leaves a couple bucks, and I'm thinking, they're going to, they spend a half hour to finish their drink. Then they wanted another round. And I'm thinking, it took them a half hour to 35 minutes to finish that. I'm not, you know, not not for, the, the dollars didn't make sense with the amount of time. It was, uh, it was about ten t- a magnitude of one-tenth the amount they would have needed to keep the place open for an extra hour. And, and they weren't getting it. They weren't, it wasn't even close to that. So, no, it was one-tenth. One-tenth of what they needed to tip in order to change that dynamic. But I made sure, because there were guys that was working with uh, ladies, I said, listen, let me handle this, because I don't want the girls having that, or the, the women have to put up with it, because dealing with drunk guys sometimes. And they were fine. Some of them didn't seem too happy. They wanted to say something, but... They didn't, they didn't say anything. I said, there are plenty of places that are still open. And I pointed them out to, out to them right up the, the road, you know, the Caribbean Club and that. So we're one of the early places they stopped. And I said, listen, you, you got, don't worry, you got a couple places you can go. No problem. I don't know about a bus in Key Largo because after like 11 o'clock, there's only like two or three places really go and have a drink. It's um, Sharky's, CJ's, and uh, the Caribbean Club. That's that's pretty much it. There's not a big late night crowd. If there were more people down here in the late night crowd, there'd be more places open. That's the mathematics of that issue. But I have to say, for being a bunch of guys that had a bit to drink, they did handle the news well. When they said, listen, we're going to be closing. We're not going to 
we're not going to hang here for that. You know, generally, they're the alcohol that they consumed earlier and they consumed uh, at our place was catching up to them. So it wouldn't get, it wouldn't look any nicer. Looking, you know, move that problem down the road, get on your bus and, and go, right? I want to be at the beginning of the bus when they come. Come in, they can have a couple of drinks. It, it, that'd be great. But towards the end of it, you know, you get someone who's been out all night. And this isn't an al- uh, a recovering alcoholics uh, talking about. This is any, when I was drinking and not drinking. If I, I preferred people to show up sober without having a drink in them. So I know, oh, well, this person looks like they can handle like over the course of three hours, three drinks, maybe four drinks, maybe five drinks. Maybe. But when they come into there late at night and they've been a couple places before, they may have drank eight drinks already. And I could be the tipping point. I've seen people come in and we immediately started asking for their keys and, and then giving them rides and things like that. So that's not something you really want to get involved in, you know, handling people that are inebriated from the get-go. It's probably even worse if they get inebriated while they're there, but usually you can manage that better. It's tough, though. It's tough to monitor everyone. You have people that sit at, when they sit at the bar and they order from you, you say, hey, listen, you're drinking a little faster. This is going to catch up to you. You didn't eat anything, this, that, your, you know, your body weight. It just looks like you might have a little problem. I can win. But when they're sitting at a table and you have a server getting them drinks, the server's not spending a lot of time with them. You, get, you can have another person ordering drinks for them. They could be getting up, doing anything else, and you just don't know their condition. So there's all sorts of reasons why people sometimes get overserved, though our intention is not to overserve. And when people come in and say, listen, I'm going to come in and I'm going to get drunk today. They say, but listen, that is not the, our goal to get you drunk. If you think that's our business, our business goal is to make money. And if you think you getting drunk makes us money, actually makes it exposes us to liability. That's on a broad scale. Like you could pers- be a person who gets drunk all the time. You get picked up and you don't drive and all that stuff. But across a whole population of people, if you get a bunch of people intoxicated, people can get in trouble out there. They can cause harm to other people and themselves. So that is not our goal. Just because you see a guy behind the bar or uh, a woman behind the bar... It's not, they're all overriding end all raison d'etre. The reason they're there is not to get you drunk, is to make drinks. And secondary to watch that you don't get overserved. And I've been around people that have been overserved. And it's not a pretty sight. And you do feel responsible for them. So you go and say, listen, can I help? Can I do this? Even if it's not. If it's not me, 
And you heard that previous story a couple of weeks ago. A guy came in. He was already intoxicated. I told him I wasn't going to serve him. I said, give him a glass of water. He says, well, if I drink this glass of water, you give me a drink. I said, well, you'd have to drink a lot of water and you'd have to get sober up pretty good. But I, I think when you sober up, you probably won't want to get another drink at that time. So that is one of the things that if you're in a service industry, I'm sure you've experienced. And if you're not in the service industry, you can say, well, oh, I didn't think that would be a concern of yours. Well, it is a concern of most people that are conscientious, I think. And plus, you got to watch out for people that are depressed, not feeling too odd. And you have to say, uh, you know, hey, listen, you're not in really good condition to, to be drinking. You know, it's not going to make you happier. You think it might. You're trying to use it as an anesthetic, but you know what? Sometimes it usually magnifies that negative feelings that you have. You don't need it. You don't need to try to tell them. You don't need it. You don't need that right now. So we'll move on from there. This past yesterday, Monday, I was we, uh, Abby and I were up in Miami. She had a couple of doctor's appointments. I had taught my class at another hospital. It, you know, one of the things sucks is that we have this really great hospital to the south of us, but it's a regional hospital. And regional hospital is like a convenience store. You can have a really great convenience store. It delivers everything you need. You need to, you know, survive. Milk, bread, butter, eggs, bacon, things like that. But you need duck. You need sorbet. You need pierogies. You know, some convenience stores may have them, but most likely they do not. So if you need something more special, you have to go someplace else and go the same way for hospitals. So I work at a gym at a great regional hospital, or not regional hospital, I call it a, a community hospital. And they're smaller, serves the community. It's great. Listen, if you're dying or something like that, you need anything you can get. And they're pretty good. But if you need any specialists and stuff like that, a lot of times you got to go about 50 miles north. And if you have to do a lot of traveling up there, oh, it's, it's, you, you just think about traffic and you say, well, when do I go? Do I want to go real early? Do I want? You actually want to leave either super early in the morning and get up there, like leave it, if you're going to get up there, leave at 6 or 10 to 6 and get up there. And, you know, if you can get a 7 o'clock appointment, if they're open at 7, that's ideal. So you can hang out 7, seven o'clock, 9 o'clock, traffic's, the morning rush hour is over, you head back. Or in between 9 o'clock and 2 o'clock. Because right around 3 o'clock, that's when it starts. And you're going to spend two hours in traffic. Not that that's the worst thing in the world, but who really wants to do that? Do you really enjoy sitting in traffic? You're always constantly vigilant. And when you're driving in Miami, I don't really notice the type of... I hadn't noticed when I drove in previous metropolitan areas. Miami has a particular type of aggressive driver. A particular type of aggressive driver. It could be similar to Los Angeles. um, Maybe like Italy. Or something similar. But I'm just saying that 
it's just really aggressive drivers who, when there's enough room, you'll have people uh, doing some crazy maneuvers, popping in some open spaces, like trying to get one car length and, you know, doing these crazy chess moves on the highway don't really get you much further. I see people, if you're in a traffic jam, I see people making aggressive moves, doing a high percentage move that could cause an accident multiple times in order to get a quarter mile up the road. Doesn't really add to your quality of life and it, it causes mayhem on the mayhem on the road. Mayhem, may. Well, it's, it's may. If you have ham, I guess it would be mayhem. But it's mayhem. And the same thing on the side roads and things like that. I'm, I'm. So when we were done yesterday at the hospital, I had eaten right before we left in the morning. I thought we would be done around three o'clock or four o'clock. We ended up being done around four thirty quarter of five. So we were in the thick of it. So I'm thinking, ooh, I'm hungry. We're not going to get home. And if we left at that time, we wouldn't get home till 6.30, 7 o'clock, and I'm already hungry. Ugh. What to do? And the wife and I were saying, well, we're in Miami. We're in Miami. There should be plenty of places to eat. Plenty. Lots of choices. It's a big metropolitan area. We started looking. We asked you know, I, we asked Surrey for, can you give us a hand to find some, uh, you know, we were thinking a Chinese restaurant, and then they gave us one that's the opposite direction, three miles behind. Well, how about, you know, you're trying to ask Surrey, heading east on this particular road, are there any restaurants in the next three miles? Could you list all the restaurants in the next three miles? And I'll just pick one. Oh, would that serve you? It had four and a half stars. And you look at it, it's definitely not a four and a half star restaurant. So we're driving down the road, trying to make left, rights, looking for a restaurant. And then we come up to a really particularly nice, uh, it's Dayland Mall. It's in the center of Miami. It's pretty nice, upscale. I mean, it's a mall with valet parking. A big valet parking lot and things like that. So they have a couple nice restaurants. One of them is a Cheesecake Factory, which isn't considered, I'm not saying it's a great restaurant, but it'll do. It'll do. But there was another one. There was a Peruvian restaurant, which we ended up eating at. And there was another one called North Italia. And uh, yeah, North and Instead of the, the north is the English word for a direction, using the Italia, the Italian word for Italy. So why wouldn't it just go north, say North Italy? Why would they use two different, well, well, but whatever. And I was thinking in my head, wow, they got great pasta there. They got that, I, it tastes like homemade pasta. It's one of the ones they, it, like they just made it. But I'm thinking, you, I don't want to drive an hour and 15 minutes after eating a big pasta dinner. So we go to the Peruvian restaurant. We, we start heading towards a Peruvian restaurant. And I switch a lane. Someone's 50 feet behind me. And they slam on the horn immediately. 
slam on the horn because I got in front of him and I took away 12 feet of the space that he would have occupied. It happened twice when I switched lanes. I didn't quite get that. You know, someone pulling over when you're barreling up to a light. And that's the way it is in downtown Miami. But I'm thinking, I'm projecting, I'm saying, oh, wow, these people are assholes. They're driving like assholes. And I'm, I'm hungry, and I'm acting like an asshole. I'm yelling at Surrey. I'm looking at the, th- she's giving me this um, kind of takeout Chinese restaurant where I don't want to get intestinal distress. You know, there's no way I want to eat at a questionable Asian restaurant. It's a Chinese restaurant. But there's really good Chinese restaurants. It's like going to a really bad Italian restaurant or a really bad Mexican restaurant or a thing like that. I'm not when you're when you're on the road in traffic, you gotta be self-assured about the quality of food. If you're in your neighborhood, yeah, you can have a diarrhea fest all you want, shit your brains out. But when I'm on the road, I do not. I can't have anything questionable. I want to just. I'll spend the extra 50 bucks or 40 bucks to get a dinner for, you know, get a nice meal for two. Because, yeah, I'm not going to gamble. I didn't, I didn't bring an extra pair of adult diapers or anything. Not that I have one pair at all. But I'm thinking I'm, I'm getting angry at Surrey. I'm getting angry at the people. I'm explaining to Abby, figures out, and she says, well, this is how he gets when he's hungry. She goes, you, we're going to have to start. She didn't say it in, in so many words. She said, we're going to have to start strategizing about bringing food. She told me today, I'm going to make you a peanut butter sandwich when we go out. <laughs> and I guess, hence, if I'm driving down the road and she starts seeing me, she's going to take and shove a peanut butter sandwich down my mouth. Which probably would do, would have done it. Would have done it. But when I get hungry or tired, that monkey brain, and no insults to monkeys, but people in their vehicles or not in their vehicles, when they're acting, when they're raving, it seems like those higher that that frontal cortex, the cerebellum, people are acting from their brainstem, their anger center, aggression centers, when they're hungry, when they're behind the wheel of the car. You're more reactive. You're, you're, you're drive, using your reflexes. It does kind of make sense that people will, in that state of mind, We'll act a little, lean on the horn a little more, shout a little. Uh, Abby said to me, you know, you don't know these people could shoot you and stuff like that. And I said, you know what? There are probably a couple people around us that would shoot somebody. They would. They would. But, I mean, you still got to get over. I still got to get over in that lane. I still have to get over in that lane. I'm not cutting someone off. But needless to say, I didn't, I wasn't in the right state of mind either. There was more of a, uh, what would you call the, the uh, 
more monkey than Spock. Spock from Star Trek. Those higher levels of thinking and doesn't doesn't really kick in when I'm hungry. I get really primal. I guess most people do. And it's unfortunate when you're behind the wheel of a vehicle. If you were walking down the street doing that, as long as there's nobody around you, you just hop up and down, you just get angry. Whatever. It's nice it's nice to let go sometimes. It really is. It's nice to just yell. I don't know if that's a prime primal scream therapy they did, you know, just yelling at the top of your lungs. Letting it out. But letting it out when you're in the middle of a traffic jam, I don't know if that's the most constructive. People aren't going to get wisdom when they're on the road. They're not going to sit and go, well, you know what? I've been tailgating this guy for a long time. And he stopped all of a sudden. And now I'm angry at him for doing that. But I was the one that was being very aggressive. No, people don't do that. They don't do it. They can. They, they signal their aggression when they're driving. They signal how they drive up real fast. Don't give enough space. And you, the, people have a modus operandi, or operandi, when they're angry, especially when they drive. There's a, the aggressive driver that's tailgating. And they're thinking, well, I'm just going to express that I want to get moving. So they, if I get on this person's tail, they're going to get moving. And the person up front will say, I'm going to slow down because this guy's on my tail. I don't have any room to spare. It causes a chain effect all down the line when you're in, when you're in a traffic jam. If everyone went 20 miles an hour, it would be... 15 miles per hour than they were actually going if they weren't changing all switching lanes trying to get in front of someone else. So you have someone going slower, you have someone going faster, you have people that follow closely, other people trying to give a little distance. And it, that perfect mix of timid and aggressive drivers with some of the people in between causes the classic traffic jam. They have the... Uh, Express lanes in the left, if you're a Sun Pass holder, and that Sun Pass is the, uh, is the sticker or the active transmitter they use to pay the automated tolls. And if you have that, you, you get to go in that lane, and, and that's supposed to move faster. But it really doesn't during... It doesn't. They don't really enforce it. And there's... It doesn't appear, but, you know, they don't have it in their windshield. So if you don't have, it says sun pass holder. So I don't know, really know how they enforce that. Because some people have transmitters. They have transmitters. They just put it on their dashboard. You really can't see it. And who's to know? You put a little white sticker on your, your windshield. Who's, no, who's, who's to know that's a sticker? I don't know how they enforce the sun pass. I know how they enforce the tolls. They either have a flash uh, of signal when you're going underneath to the transmitters on the passive stickers or active stickers that ping. 
and they you know add the toll at a discounted price, or if there isn't a license plate attached to, um, let's say the sticker has a license plate, and they take a picture of the license plate, and they say, oh, this person came around at the same time, and they don't send you the higher one, but then they'll send the license plate uh, one if you don't have the sticker on. Easy peasy. What happens, though? There are a lot, and I know they're in every state. I'm driving behind one guy in a tricked-out BMW. You know, one of those BMWs you see on the road with the small tires, right? Black hood, because they got in some kind of... Either that's by design, it didn't look... But it had the primer on it, so I don't think it's by design. And he has a spoiler on the back. So when he goes over 80 miles an hour, he stays attached to the road closer. I don't know. It's supposed to look cooler. But an aftermarket spoiler on a BMW with a black hood on a white car with tiny wheels. And a severely tinted license plate cover. You cannot see the letters. I couldn't see the state behind it. I mean, how in the hell is that car not confiscated? Like, all they have to do is match up and put on alert. They can find the car. I mean, it shouldn't be too hard. It's like taking a picture of someone. They're taking a picture of every car going down the line. Say, be on the lookout. Every so often when this car comes up, we're going to say, when this BMW comes through, we're going to put send out alert, and we're going to send a car out, we're going to pick it up, and we're going to confiscate the car. Because they're driving on the roads without a... They're really... If you're covering up your license plate, you're driving without a visible license plate. And we got it here. We got it here in... Uh, the, the keys, too, because we got these campers, right? And some of these campers have obscured license plates because their license plates are mounted. So if they have, let's say, a scooter or a set of bikes in the back, that it blocks the license plate. So how in the hell do they... When you have that scooter that has the plastic tarp over it, how in the hell are they paying anything for it? And I get the monkey brain goes, well, fuck them. Fuck them. And I say, well, that's not my job. Not to actually fuck them. Who would be the avenging angel? Say, hey, listen, if I took a picture, if I got the wife to take a picture while I'm driving and forward it to someone and say, we are right here, right now. If you send a vehicle out, you'll be able to get this guy, blah, 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 blah. First of all, they wouldn't do it. Second of all, I would have just done it. You know, it would have been for more for me than for anybody else. Eventually, someone would drive around with an obscure license plate. We'll be driving down the road, and there'll be a police officer that comes along, and they'll they'll get him. Unless it's one of those license plates that they can they can unobscure, and I'm sure they have them. It's not that hard a technology to have to to you know do a deeper tint with some form of electrical signal. Right? Not impossible. 
Okay, well, I'm going to finish up here. I'd like to thank you for sharing your time with me. I'm considering moving to a different platform. I've liked using Speaker here, Spreaker, and I said I said that the carrier service or my podcast service I've been using for the longest time. You may be listening. You may be listening to this podcast on any number of platforms. It could be iTunes. It could be Amazon. It could be Spotify. It could be iHeartRadio. It could be Google. It could be Juvana. Javana, I think it is. The Indian one. I know I have listeners in India. Hello, listeners in India and Taiwan and Germany. Uh, the U.S., Florida, Key Largo, Miami, New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia. Um, I'm thinking about moving to another service. But I, you will still get the same feed for everyone else. But for the people that just listen exclusively, if you downloaded the Spreaker app, I'm, I may be changing in the next week or so. I may be changing. I uh, they they ha- I am on a plan. You know, it's it's either do this, do the switch, or not. I'll still have this show out there. If you do ever, you know, if you ever get disconnected, don't worry. What I'll do is, uh, well, you can just go to the Keys Bartender site. I'll have the RSS feed there, or you can get it obviously on. If I can. Don't screw it up too much. I'll have the new uh, podcasting app forwarding everything to the, you know, to whatever service you listen on. And I, I think I'm not getting the right. I'm not getting all my statistics. Is it possible? Is it possible? I only got like four thousand, five thousand listeners a month after five years. Yeah, it is possible. I had kind of a dithering habit about me when I talk. Sometimes I forget about things and shit like that. I understand. I do appreciate you listening, though. And uh, I keep, I intend to do it. I intend to keep on doing it because it, I don't know, it helps me. I hope it helps some of you. And, uh, well, and you know what? I talked all about that thing, how I acted when I was driving and stuff like that. What I did today is what I do to treat that. I went to one of my 12-step meetings. I I talked about how I, I'm not giving up anybody's anonymity. I just, I talked about not being too hard on myself. When I say not being too hard on myself, I say we, sometimes we are, if, if you're someone with a conscience, if you work with a conscience, then you have a tendency to beat yourself up over things that happen, about losing your cool, about not being as loving and caring to the people around you, not being as empathetic to other people's concerns or wants or needs. You're only human. It happens sometimes. And you just got to let it go sometimes. You got to let it go and hope to do better next time. Or strive to do better next time. Acknowledging that there's an issue is part of the problem. Is is solving part of the problem. Just the acknowledgement. And then taking steps. And my taking steps was, was... 
going to a meeting, then going to the gym, working out, not doing the normal things I do, taking care of some uh, housework around the hacienda here at the Sheharan. And uh, that makes me feel better. And I have gone easier on myself. You know, there's a fine balancing act. You don't want to go and say you don't. You want to be your. You want to be your a cheerleader to yourself, but you got to be careful what you're cheering on. You don't want to cheer on that. The, you don't want to cheer on your asshole. Though every so often the asshole is needed. Ugh, I hate to say that, but you know, I mean, when I say when I say that, I mean sometimes when you have to. Do, if you have to defend your your home, your house, your family, your home, your house, same thing, your family, friends, your body, you have to do, sometimes you have to do things that aren't necessarily what nice people do. But there are necessities to doing it. Just like, you know, you know, if, you're, if there's an unprovoked attack or something like that, you have to do things that a kind person doesn't do or thoughtful person doesn't do. But fortunately, for most of us, you don't have, you, that's not a daily occurrence, it's a rare occurrence. And uh, we may have it in us still, and it may come out when we don't want it to. Well, well, we'll work on that. Knowing that we're always going to be less than perfect. But it's not, it's not perfection we're looking for, is it? I mean, is it really? If you're looking for perfection, you're going to really come, you're going to, you're going to be disappointed. But a more realistic goal would be to look for progress. Always look for a little progress. Improve. Improve. If you, you, can, if you can improve 1% a day, Think about improving 1% a day. I heard someone say that. Improve 1% a day. I'd say that's, you know, compound interest. If you do 0.25 a day, in the course of a year, 0.25 a day, that's, that's one out of 400. That you'd be met in over a year. Over a year? You'd be magnitudes better. You'd be like one of those, you know, one of, one of those one of the icons you've heard of. You'd be like a Gandhi, Brady, Tom Brady, um, Martin Luther King, uh, Sister Teresa, amalgam. Just like a little. A little improvement every day. And that could be improvement through awareness or physical improvement or perspective or spiritual improvement, whatever, whatever it, it takes. Dietary improvements. I'm going to drink, you know, drinking a cup more water a day until you get up to whatever your goal was eight cups a day. That's something. So whenever you have an improvement, you know, you, 
you can you can always say I'm I'm trying to and it's progress not perfect and it's not on all things. Sometimes you're not going to you know st- the the scales tip a little heavier when you're trying to lose weight. Um, you know, a little lighter when you're trying to gain weight. Not that there's a lot of people trying to gain weight. That's more like a teenage boy trying to do that. Well, listen, I am rambling on now. I realize that. I do. I guess that's progress for me. And I'm going to sign off right now. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. And I will be back. Bye. And now an update on what some analysts and reporters are calling the great resignation and the upside of it all. As many as 44% of workers are leaving their 9-to-5s behind and looking for life hacks to make up the difference in income as they pursue other jobs. And as that number grows, so have downloads of an app called Upside. It's a free app for cash back on gas, groceries, and at restaurants. Can an app like Upside really make a difference? You bet. With Upside, users can earn an average of $96 a year. And it works at all the big gas brands like Shell, BP, Valero, Philips 66, Circle K, etc. And at favorite local grocers and restaurants. Everyone's got to drive and eat, right? If you want to get in on this life hack, we have a promo code for you. Head to the App Store or Google Play and download Upside. Enter code HACK to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first fill-up. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account to PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use code HACK. This man has just entered the gas price madness zone, pushed over the edge by skyrocketing gas prices. The remedy? Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Hey, wait a minute. Did you just say there's a free app I can get that'll actually pay me cash back on every gallon of gas I buy? Yes. Escape the gas price madness zone with the Upside app and earn real cash back on every gallon of gas you buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough of the theatrics. Just tell me more about this Upside app. Okay. It's super easy. Just download the free app and use it whenever you buy gas. Upside users can earn hundreds of dollars in cash back. Wow. Thanks, announcer guy. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code MINUTE for an extra 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first fill-up. You can cash out anytime. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code MINUTE for a 25 cents per gallon or more bonus on your first tank.